Hello everybody welcome back with uh, welcome back to another episode I'm back with Tenzin today so this conversation is going to be a very different one from the normal one which we have it's going to be a bit political and a bit mixture of rights and all those different aspects of it so today we have Tenzin this is Tenzin is a Tibetan rights activist so Tenzin thank you very much for joining again it's my pleasure to have you thank you thank you for having me here yeah it's my pleasure tenjin yeah so before beginning it would be great if you could you know speak about yourself and about your work and what you do yeah uh, okay so my name is tenjin sundu uh, it's written t s u n d u e it's a tibetan name uh, most of the tibetans from the younger generation they would have ten tenjin as part of the first name that's because these names have been given by the dalai lama so dalai lama's name is tenjin gyatso he shares the first part of the name so tenjin Uh, so I'm a second generation Tibetan living in India, born and brought up in India, educated here. And uh, what happened is, you know, when when Tibet was invaded by China, then certain small number of Tibetans had to leave Tibet and come to India. And uh, since since 1959 onwards, almost about one lakh Tibetans have been living in India as refugees, and about 50,000 in Nepal, Bhutan, and various other countries. Um, so I'm I'm a writer and an activist in the Tibetan Freedom Movement. Okay, great. It's it's my pleasure to have you, Tenjin. Really, uh, it's wonderful that we are doing it at 10 p.m. and you just joined in without any problem. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So uh, how? Just just um, very curious about this. Uh, you know, whole thing about you being a refugee and coming to you know your parents coming um, bringing you to India. So how was the life in the beginning? How things were and did you face any kind of discrimination in your school when you were uh, in your school and was there any kind of problem you faced personally well i think um, as a refugee uh, uh, what is called discrimination is is part of our life uh, when you carry you know my kind of face uh, in india then you feel every time that you you are the foreigner um, but strangely and i'm born in india my parents came from tibet and um, i studied in india that too uh, in a tibetan school so from childhood there was no um, discrimination or anything uneasy uh, like that but i think it started from college uh, i did my ba from uh, madras um, uh, so there was a big step for me to come out of the uh, the, the tibetan community and go to tamil nadu uh in 1993 um and i'm sure many of your audience they were not even born at the time so i i went to college there and um, in a very different scenario people language culture yeah. um but as a refugee you know you you go with with this thing in your mind that you know you are a refugee uh, you are willing to learn uh, different cultures languages adapt be creative uh so today i speak tano ஒன்னா It's, it's a you know being a refugee is not always you know painful suffering 
I think it, it's just the, our, our attitude. When you, are, when you call yourself refugees, you're willing to learn, adapt, and, uh, and be, be willing to move forward. I think that attitude uh, makes veteran refugees, I think, um, to the most dynamic uh, communities in the world. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that, Tenzin. And, uh, yeah, so uh, the thing which I wanted to focus on today that uh, the, the, the Congress of U.S. have passed the, the Tibetan, uh, you know, the Tibetan law, which it supports Tibet. So what are your thoughts on that? And how, how, what do you think about that? And how could that potentially change the life of Tibetans living in Tibet? And what, what uh, effect does it have on Tibet? So what's your, what's your points and what's the facts you have read about that? Okay. Firstly, uh, this new resolution that was passed in the U.S. Congress, it's a bipartisan, which means both the political parties, that the Democrats and the Republicans supported this bill. And it is now, be, now being signed by the president and um, it has become a law in the U.S. This is so far the strongest resolution the U.S. passed on the issue of Tibet. And of course, we all understand uh, it's not just out of love for Tibetan people. Uh, there is also the China on the other side that that, China, that the United States has been, you know, uh, troubled with. So of course they would want um, uh, something good for Tibetans, which could uh, truly become potentially, um, you know, recreate Tibet as a free and independent country. There was a point of time in in, in the history when the United States supported the Tibetan freedom movement. But from 1971 onwards, when the United States made friends with China and then ended up creating the biggest industries in the world, mostly sponsored by, by America. And today, that very uh, China has become a challenge to America. So America is having to deal with, 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 an, with an enemy today, which was their friends uh, in the past. So U.S. actually ends up making uh, someone friend and then end up fighting that. It had happened in Afghanistan, it happened in Iraq, uh, Iran, many places. Uh, but I think uh, in this case, this resolution, which is called the Tibetan Policy and Support Act uh, 2020, in this case, uh, there are a couple of things in this. I Just to um, you know s summarize, what it does is it says that United States uh, respects the reincarnation of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, who is now the 14th reincarnation. He lives here in Dharamshala in India. For 60 years, he's lived in India. So the United States is saying that the next reincarnation, which will be the 15th, uh, United States is saying that they would respect the decision of the, of the 14th Dalai Lama as final, and China must not intervene in recognizing the new Dalai Lama, which is a, which is a very strong resolution uh, from the United States. And it's not just uh, stops, it doesn't stop there. It says anyone interfering in recognizing the new reincarnation of the Dalai Lama will have to face sanction from the United States. And this has been made into a law. So therefore, it has uh, so far become the strongest U.S. resolution uh, supporting Tibet. And not only that, in this uh, resolution, there are a couple of other things. It, so it talks about uh, Tibet as Tibetan plateau as an important uh, uh, natural sanctuary. 
and uh, respects Tibet, uh, Tibet's national uh, uh, sources of, uh, of water and the rivers, and therefore U.S. will work with China in, in keeping that sanctity and san national san uh, um, sanctuary. Um, and like this, so there are a couple of other things, especially about Tibetan religion and culture. So therefore, this has become uh, the strongest U.S. resolution in support of Tibet. Uh, so what it could mean in future is because the United States has passed such a strong Tibet support resolution, uh, many countries who work with the United States or who are allies of the United States, especially those in, uh, in, in Europe or uh, Canada or Australia or Japan or even India, may uh, pass these kind of resolutions which may bring together and work, network with the United States and creating strong uh, resolutions, strong policies uh, against China. Okay, okay, great. So, uh, do you think uh, this, the, the whole bill coming and president signing it, uh, do you think there is some kind of even, yeah, of course, uh, he, the, the, the country America wants to help the people of Tibet. So, but would you, would you think there is uh, something happening because also politics, because the Trump government wants to, um, you know, for, just give a very strong message to China? That if something is bad, if that I think China, America was already very very angry with uh, China on already on the Wuhan virus and uh, passing this bill against China, putting which will put sanctions, which clearly is mentioned on the bill. Does it? Do you think there is some kind of politics politics also played in that? I think the politics is very very uh, clear here in this case. Mm, uh, not just Donald Trump. Uh, even the president-elect Joe Biden, when he was campaigning, he had already said that he was going to meet with His Holiness the Dalai Lama, which Donald Trump did not do in the past five years. Uh, so both the president, uh, outgoing president and the president-elect have made strong statements in support of Tibet. And as I was saying right in the beginning, I have no illusions in thinking that the United States love uh, the Tibetan people and Buddhism and things like that, because now they think, they, they see this, that Tibet is, is an important part for the United States, because potentially, if the Tibetan freedom movement is reinvigorated, this could trouble China, and this may spark protests uh, and revolutions in East Turkestan, which is another important big China-occupied country. Uh, this is uh, an Islamic country called East Turkestan. Mm. And then there is another important country called Southern Mongolia. Mm. Now, um, Mongolia is in two parts today. There is Outer Mongolia, which is friendly with India. Mm. Then there is Southern Mongolia, which is under Chinese occupation. So Southern Mongolia, East Turkestan and Tibet put together make 60% of China's landmass. And if the Tibetan freedom movement is reinvigorated inside Tibet, it could spark similar kind of protests in East Turkestan and Southern Mongolia. Then China would be boiling with these kind of uncontrollable uh, you know, protests or revolutions. And this could further spark protests for democracy and freedom within China. Okay. Okay. So I think United, United States is really looking at a much larger picture yeah. than China's 
uh, you know, ambition in toppling United States as number one in the world. And and do you do you do you think uh, that this must happen? And do you think a democracy should be established in China than uh, you know a communist party ruling it? You know, I I I've uh, more than just being Tibetan. I think I really feel sad for the Chinese people, which is one point four billion population, more than uh, you know India's population. And when one point four billion people are ruled over by the single political party, the Communist Party of China, with no democracy, with no freedom of speech. no freedom of religion no free press no election to uh, elect their political leaders it's a country of blinds so i really feel bad and and that too uh, someone who is in india with all the freedom in 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 our country here i feel bad for the chinese people and therefore i believe it's my you know strong belief that the chinese people deserves to to get their own freedom to practice democracy uh, freedom of speech in china which is now being denied and that's mainly done because the chinese government has been running the biggest industries in the world in china by enslaving their population and saying that this is in the interest of the nation because uh, china is saying you know china doesn't want to lead india kind of what is called chaotic democracy so they would have everything the way the government tells people to do okay. and for them economic development is the only mode of development they look at otherwise they look at uh, everything else as chaos so china's biggest uh, insecurity and fear is chaos and uh, so you know i'm I, i truly feel that the chinese people deserve democracy they must have uh, uh, you know freedom of speech uh, only then it becomes a fair country to uh, to compete with others for for trade uh, for various other international uh, relationships but that singularly has been denied to the chinese people okay so so would you would you think uh, this is the end of the Jing, this is the you know a kind of coming end to the jinping era and uh, will china move to democracy because of the bill passed by the by the congress well it's it's um it's too uh, um simplistic to say or assume anything like this uh, this bill is 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 being done in recognition of the tibetan people's uh, you know 70 years of struggle for freedom and uh, and and democracy in our own country which is which has been under chinese occupation for all these uh, 70 years um but i think you know tibet is only one of the occupied countries um, as i just i was just to sentence before i was saying you know chinese people have been denied freedom and democracy and other occupied countries like east turkestan southern mongolia taiwan and hong kong uh uh the these two uh, latter countries are also facing threats from china so china is truly uh the monster in in asia and it is the chinese people who are suffering there at at the end of the day yeah. so i really wish 
um, you know, change happens within China uh, for freedom and democracy. And United States may be playing this uh, this kind of a game, but I, if this uh, helps in bringing about freedom and democracy within China, then why not? Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So, so this, this, uh, like, what, 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 what do you think that countries like you know nearby countries through China, like Japan and India, should do to help uh, people of Tibet? I think um, U.S. U.S. as a as a I think as an ally of uh, these nations, I think has given already a strong message, and I think very soon we could see these countries also bringing such kind of resolutions and bills for the people of Tibet and uh, the Tibetan suffering because of China. So, do you think uh, India and other countries, nearby countries, should also take some action against, uh, you know, and pass these kind of uh, bills? Well, you know, for a long time, um, international communities have been saying, you know, Tibet and East Turkestan and Mongolia, these countries are under Chinese occupation. What, but what can we do? This is what, how the international community reacted to Chinese occupation of Tibet. Okay. But we have also seen that these 160 countries have been trading with China. These 160 countries have been direct beneficiaries of Chinese occupation and dictatorship in our country, Tibet. So they are not free of complicity and blame and they must take responsibility for it. But only this year, during the pandemic, did they learn a lesson. They used to feel that, you know, whatever happens in China, as long as we make money, it's okay. But this very reason, you know, giving China blind eye and free leash, that very reason is the one that caused the pandemic. China tried to hide the pandemic situation in Wuhan, firstly. Secondly, they tried to destroy evidence. They tried to cover up. And when things went beyond hand, it had already spread to the rest of the world. And so the reason why it had become a pandemic from, a, from an epidemic that was spreading in Wuhan yeah. is particularly this very reason the international community was showing a blind eye to China and giving China free hand. This very policy caused the pandemic. So uh, and this year we also saw how these 160 countries who who traded with China, who made uh, you know huge amounts of money in trading with China, are the same ones who. Uh, demanded inquiry into the origination and spread of the coronavirus. Yeah. 120 countries signed for the first time against China. Yeah. So this shows, this shows that ultimately it is not, a, not just money, their security, their health. Even today, countries like United Kingdom, uh, Italy, France, Germany, Spain, they suffered something that they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And the calamities that, that this pandemic brought around the world is something that the international community had never seen in the recent times. Yeah. And all this is mainly because they were showing a blind eye to China 
giving China free, free leash. And this has, this has been the main course. So therefore, today, this year, uh, 2020 has uh, taught the international community a lesson that money is not the end goal. And we have to take care of everything on our own. So, uh, so you mean like um, 2020 has been good in the sense to, you know, that international community has understood that uh, what China is doing in the, the other community, uh, other countries accepting that and not speaking against anything is, is really something which has uh, come to a limelight and people have spoke against it. So I think, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really uh, wonderful. And I think it's great that people did that and the, the countries did that. And I think it's, um, I think it's going to be very good and the change for people who are uh, suffering because of China. So yeah, the next question I just want to ask you about Tenzin is this, uh, yeah, so Tenzin, mm. I just want to move to this next part of that. Uh, I think uh, we covered the part of China and India, the India can do in China, what effect it makes to China. So now I just want to move the part of the Dalai Lama. What what does Dalai Lama and Tibet has a connection with, and why does it plays a huge role on the the successor of Dalai Lama? Huh, that's an important question. Um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama uh, is being loved, respected, and worshipped in the Tibetan community, and this this unique relationship between the Dalai Lama as a spiritual and political leader of the Tibetan people has been going on for the past 400 years. And the Dalai Lama that we have seen, who is the Nobel Prize winner, is the 14th Dalai Lama. Okay. Uh, so we've been seeing, you know, subsequently from Dalai Lama one to, to the 14th. So 400 years of leadership that Dalai Lama has provided to the Tibetan people. Don't mind the noise. It's, it's our pressure cooker <laughs> cooking dinner. It's all fine. <laughs> so, so, so this this is a very unique relationship between the Dalai Lama as a spiritual and political leader of the Tibetan people, and he's now the 14th, and he's now 84. At the moment, he's doing very well, and he says, uh, you know, China should not worry about uh, about the next Dalai Lama because he, he says I'm still very healthy. I can still play football. <laughs> so anyway. So, uh, but then, you know, China is looking uh, in the long-term interests, how they would want to completely capture the Tibetan imagination and Tibetan leadership. And um, so this is their plan. Uh, but the Tibetan people, we think uh, that because the Dalai Lama is intrinsically uh, Tibetan communities, uh, tradition and culture, and, and um, recognizing the new, next Dalai Lama is purely Tibetan business and there's nothing Chinese about it. Mm. And His Holiness himself had already said that uh, he would, whenever needed at any point of time, he would leave behind written instructions where and how the next reincarnation would be found. Uh, so I think these are very clear and United States, uh, this very resolution says that whatever the Dalai Lama instructs about his reincarnation, that should be respected. Now, in here, the issue is not just the Tibetan people. It's also the large number of Tibetan Buddhist community. Mm -hmm. 
that are now there in the Himalayas, from Ladakh to Lahore Spiti and Kinor and in Uttarakhand and Nepal and Sikkim, Bhutan, Arunachal Pradesh, and an extension uh, that the, the Dalai Lama students in Europe, in Russia, in America, in Australia, uh, Japan, and countries around the world. So all of them would be hugely, uh, you know, concerned about uh, about the next reincarnation. So it's the issue here is not just the Tibetan people; it's an international issue. And because the, Tibet is an important part in the Chinese occupation which could trigger a major revolution it has also become a strategic uh, case here okay okay so uh, how how does this you know uh, part like i just want to understand because i i really don't understand the buddhist culture i've of course heard about things and just want to understand how does this reincarnation thing work and how is the how the next thing in the next successor of the Lai lama is selected Oh, yeah. So, uh, so the word here is neither election nor selection. The word here is recognition. Okay, recognition. Uh, and and uh, in in traditional Tibetan Buddhism, we practice uh, the Purna Janam, the next life. You know, and we believe in this that you are you are here uh, in this life. And after your death, your soul will enter a new body and you will come back in the next life, which is your Purna Janam. Now, yeah, people like me and you, we may not be able to remember, recollect our past life, but we believe that people like His Holiness the Dalai Lama who had attained certain spiritual level, they can remember their past life and and therefore they carry with them certain wisdom from their past life um at least i know i know nothing about my past life so i have no my, my value is zero yeah but then you know people believe that you know spiritual leaders like the dalai lama and there are other spiritual leaders in the tibetan community who remember their past life and because of that these uh uh you know, spiritually achieved souls, they come back in the next life, and that can be recognized. Uh, so there are different are the signs, uh, certain, uh, what we call lamas, they leave behind either written instructions or certain signs. For example, this 14th Dalai Lama, he was born in eastern part of Tibet in a in a small village called Taksir in Amdo region of eastern part of Tibet. When the 13th Dalai Lama died in 1933, his his body was kept on the throne and he was on a, on a samadhi, uh, on a meditation post for a number of days and he was facing south. And after a few days of his death, when he was still in meditation pose, people observed that his head, without any instruction, had faced east. And this was seen as a sign that his next reincarnation would be born in the eastern part of Tibet. So like that, there are, there are signs every passing Lama leaves with which we we put together uh, these signs and we go towards 
recognizing the next Dalai Lama. Um, and so they, they went to Eastern part of the They found a couple of uh, boys of the same age and bring, bring them together. And they were give, done this test. They were made to select their damaru, you know, the, the, the small handheld drum yeah. or the bell yeah. or the dorji or the walking stick. So a couple of things that belonged to the previous Dalai Lama. And there were other things that were brought with them. So there were uh, two or three walking sticks. There were two or three uh, Damaru. Uh, so they were asked to choose your own um, you know, possessions from your past life. And this 14th Dalai Lama, at the age of four, uh, his name was Lama Dhundug, a name usually given for, for girls. Uh, but uh, but in order to protect him from obstacles, he was given a girl's name. Okay. So at the age of four, he recognized exactly the, he picked the exact possessions from his past life and said, this is, these are mine, you know, and I need to go to Lhasa, is the, is the, uh, in the capital of Tibet which is almost about 2,000 kilometers away from the village in Eastern Tibet where he was born. So these are, you know, religious processes which, which uh, cannot be really explained by science, but uh, in, a, in a tradition which believes in reincarnation, mm -hmm. such kind of valued spiritual lives can be recognized. And, uh, and the 14th Dalai Lama came about in this very form. Um, and now he's saying that when he goes, he would leave behind written instructions where and when and how the next reincarnation uh, should be recognized. Okay, 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 great, great. So, yeah. And um, so, so do you, like, uh, you were speaking about, you know, China, like this, uh, the things which China could possibly face if it does, um, you know, put, um, you know, like recognize not because if China is going to select, it's not going to be recognized. It's going to be selecting uh, next Dalai Lama, so it can you know, rule the rule. Uh, like it can, you know, just puppetize the mm. Dalai Lama mm. selects, so it can control the Tibet. So, um, like that was what. So was China trying to play a, a political uh, role to select a Dalai Lama? And do you think that America has done a great job with that saying that you can't do it and we will respect everything said by the Dalai Lama, President Dalai Lama? Right. So uh, what China has been attempting to do is firstly, they changed certain aspects in, in the law and imposed in the Chinese constitution, they made some certain amendments and especially about recognizing uh, new reincarnations, and it's not just about the Dalai Lama. Any kind of new reincarnations in the uh, in uh, within the Chinese territory, which includes China-occupied Tibet. So now they are saying that anyone who is recognized as the new reincarnation, as the Lama, uh, within Chinese territory, uh -huh. they should be informed to, to the Chinese government, and without the government's approval, no one can be recognized as a reincarnation. So what the government has done is it has uh, taken away the right of the religious institutions and owned it by the states. So it is now being formalized by the states 
you need state sanction to recognize your religious leader. Now look at the contradiction. The states, uh, they swear by communism. Yeah. They swear by People's Republic of China, the state, swear by Communist Party of China, which is the political party there. Yeah. And they still say this is a communist country. Yeah. Now in communism, there is no space for religion, reincarnation, God, you know, God is this. Yeah, yeah. But now they want to they want to recognize uh, you know uh, Dalai Lama's reincarnation. So the, so His Holiness the Dalai Lama once was asked by a couple of media and and His Holiness says that you know if China is really concerned about reincarnation, forget about my reincarnation. They should first recognize the reincarnation of Mao Zedong. Let them let them find Mao Zedong's reincarnation. Then we'll, we'll talk about other <laughs> reincarnations. So His Holiness is. is It's very funny, you know. Every time it comes about, very interesting uh, responses to to China, uh, um, and in in one point of him, he says, you know, China should not worry about my reincarnation. I'm very healthy. I I will go uh, strong, and he says, uh, we'll see who lives longer, whether the Dalai Lama lives longer or the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> so he comes ahead with such such interesting retorts. Um, so anyway, uh, I think you know. This uh, what China is trying to do is uh, is meddling with a very ancient uh, religious institution, and these re religious institutions, uh, however uh, unscientific certain people may feel, but uh, you know there is always a space for religion and faith, uh, whether it's Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or Jain or whatever religions. You know these there are. Uh, democratic spaces for these, and these should yeah. be left as they are. And the states uh, must not intervene and yeah. do anything uh, like this. And yeah. at the moment, uh, it is not just the state interfering, but the the, the state is trying to capitalize on the reincarnation processes, yeah. and mainly for political gains. And what they have already done is they have recognized or uh, another. A uh, highly reincarnated Tibetan Lama called the Penchen Lama, uh, and the real Penchen Lama that the Dalai Lama recognized has gone vanishing from 1995. Uh, uh -huh. China disappeared this little boy at the age of six, and even today there's no word about him. Now the Chinese calculation is that when it comes when it comes to a point of time. When the next Dalai Lama should be recognized, they are going to use this very boy. So what they have done is they have disappeared the real Penchen Lama reincarnation. They have put in just as you were you were suspecting. They they put together on the throne a puppet Penchen Lama. What we usually say in Tibetan uh, language, Penchen Zuma or the fake Penchen Lama, and they are using this very puppet uh, Penchen Lama to, uh, and make him give religious teachings in Tibetan. Public gathering, and but then in funny, you know, in funny instances, people don't go there to pay respects to him. So they bring about, uh, you know, by strategy, uh, school students by force, or all the Chinese government officers 
in front of the uh, this puppet pencil lama and take pictures and make make videos out of that and dish it out as propaganda. So everybody in Tibet in Tibet they are really laughing in the hearts then among that there is you know faith cannot be imposed. Faith comes naturally to naturally. people. Yeah, and that that's so hypocrisy of China that it says it's a communist country and it wants it wants it it wants to find the the, the next uh, Dalai Lama and wants its political gains and then takes pictures and says you don't believe in God. So yeah, it's really it's really weird and it's hypocrisy of China for its own political gains. I think China and the Jinping government should uh, the Jinping Empire should think about. Um, so yeah, uh, so before before uh, I think. Uh, uh, before I think we have discussed about every other part of this and all that stuff, why don't you say, you know, speak about something, the work you do and the things you have written about. Would you like to share something about uh, your uh, books which you have written? Yeah, uh, so I'm a, a writer. I write poetry, uh, stories. I write articles for newspapers and magazines. Um, but besides my writing, I'm also an activist. I am, I've been in activism, uh, in the Tibetan activism for past... Was of 25, 26 years. I'm now 47. Um, I did my BA from Madras and MA from Bombay University. Um, uh, what activism means is, you know, sometimes you feel justice is not delivered and uh, mechanisms of justice like the police or the courts or civil society, sometimes you feel it is, it's not coming or it's too difficult. Um, and and sometimes whatever is done, it's done unfairly. And so in, in, in the issue of uh, Tibet uh, here, Tibet has been under Chinese occupation for 70 years. And most of the countries, instead of supporting Tibet, they either fear China or they want to trade with China and benefit from there. So therefore, it, you know, it seems as if the issue of Tibet will never get back to any kind of sense of justice. So therefore, activists like us, we, we step forward, take responsibility, try to create awareness, galvanize uh, support um, from the international community. And especially in my case, I try to get, uh, you know, create awareness within India to make Indian people know that the issue of Tibet is not just about Tibetan people, uh, it's about India. Yeah. And so for, for the past, 25 years I've been traveling all across India telling Indians do not trust China do not trust China, China. do not trust China yeah. and no one listened to me no one <laughs> yeah. and this year in Galwan Valley China proved that they are not trustworthy yeah. now people want to listen to me so it's not about me it's the message yeah. and every time you know when when such a such a such an you know uh catastrophe like uh, Galan, Galwan Valley massacre happens. Uh, this realization. You know, very often you know, people think that it is not, not my issue. Let Tibetans die, let Tibetans be under China. And we have nothing to do with this. Yeah. So it's not about who is suffering. It, the real issue is, uh, are you really able to see beyond a community's suffering? And here in this case is the Chinese duplicity. China's main interest is grabbing power and they want to become the boss in the world. So 
by by looking down upon india by doing this galvan valley they are trying to pin down india because their real aim is toppling united states and becoming uh, you know the empire the the emperor of the world yeah. so this is that that is their aim and they ended up doing this so today in india uh, everybody knows that that china is an enemy and india can never trust china yeah. and tibet is uh, our ally yeah. so tibetans and yeah. uh, and 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 indians should come together and work for india's security and for tibetan uh, tibet's uh, independence and we have seen in ladakh border how tibetan soldiers of special frontier force put up a tough fight and gave china a bloody nose which was truly a revenge for galwan valley massacre so this is this is coming together of tibetans and indians together for india's security and tibet's freedom okay okay and would you like to share something which you have written or you know some of the writings of some poems you have written yes yeah so i i write poetry i have this book of poems called kora okay. um no one second no she so uh, one second my my lights wifi is uh, i'm going to read um, something from my book of poems um i've written this poem uh, when i was in bombay i wrote this poem uh ah i have more light this is my torch light um yeah so i'm i'm going to read this poem this was this is written in bombay when i was a university student and um i didn't have a, a place to stay so i wrote this poem called space bar a proposal so this was written as a proposal to say can i stay in your house because i didn't have yawani person yeah sir so i'm going to read this poem so uh, this was written in uh, in bombay when it was uh, yeah so this was written in bombay when i was a university student and i didn't have a place to stay so this was written as a proposal which says which says can i stay in your house uh so it says pull your ceiling half way down and you can create a mezzanine for me your walls open into cupboards is there an empty shelf for me Let me grow in your garden with your roses and prickly pears. I'll sleep under your bed and watch TV in the mirror. Do you have do you have an ear on your balcony? I am singing from your window. Open your door. Let me in. I am resting at your doorstep. Call me when you are awake. great great they really beautiful. so yeah so i write yeah so i write uh, poems stories um i travel and speak i tell refugee stories and um and um, yeah i sell this book of poems and for 50 rupees and this is my sole source of income and uh, as i uh, sell this these copies with that money i travel you know in a in a year i travel for 6 months and I speak in so many different colleges universities civil societies but this year because of the pandemic i couldn't travel so i've been mostly speaking online 
Okay, okay, great. Yeah, so I think uh, it's it's really wonderful, Tenzin. Thank you very much for sharing uh, everything you shared with us. It's really, really wonderful that you joined in. Uh, we had a wonderful conversation. I think uh, it was wonderful that you shared your opinions and ideas and what you think about China and what you think about Tibet. And uh, I think we we're very sure we'll very soon, I think we'll meet again and maybe do one and speak about something else. So thank you very much, Tenzin. Thank you for joining in. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you very you. much.